Joseph Hogan, the CEO of Align Technology, and he racked up almost $130 million in total compensation last year, which is actually more than triple what he earned in 2020. That's Andrea Park, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from her about the medtech industry's highest paid CEOs. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, December 16th. Stick with us. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Sonny Bowani is heading to jail. He was the former COO and president of Theranos. That's the company that made false claims about their so-called breakthrough blood testing technology. As Andrea Park reports, Bawani will be heading to prison in March to spend almost 13 years behind bars. In a separate trial earlier this year, Elizabeth Holmes was also convicted of fraud. She was the former CEO and founder of Theranos. She was also Bawani's girlfriend for over a decade. The charges for both of them stemmed from claims that they knowingly lied about Theranos's diagnostic technology— which they said could run hundreds of tests on just a few drops of blood. Holmes was found guilty on four of 11 charges, all related to defrauding investors. Belwani, meanwhile, was hit with 12 guilty counts after a jury determined he defrauded both investors and patients. His sentence is almost two years longer than Holmes. Hers will begin in April after she gives birth to her second child. There's another pharma company on the commercial cancer scene. As Angus Liu reports, this week, Marathi Therapeutics became the second drug maker to get an FDA approval for a KRAS-targeted cancer medicine. The new drug, called Krizadi, will challenge Amgen's Lumacras in the market. Krizadi won an FDA approval to treat patients with KRAS G1C-mutated non-small cell lung cancer who have received at least one prior therapy. Amgen's Lumacras won a similar approval in May 2021. KRS is a drug target that scientists once called undruggable, but now it has two FDA-approved therapies. Krizadi is Marathi's first commercial product. CEO David Meek told Fierce Pharma's Angus Liu that the company's marketing pitch will focus on the drug's strong efficacy. But Krizadi won't come cheap. The drug will carry a list price of almost $20,000 for a 30-day supply. The 2022 American Society of Hematology Annual Meeting, or ASH, just wrapped up, and Fierce's Angus Liu headed to New Orleans to get the scoop, and the key highlights came from immunotherapies for lymphoma and multiple myeloma. Among the noticeable were results from Johnson & Johnson for a drug that's up for approval. Multiple myeloma is a blood cancer that can be treated with a variety of medications, but since multiple myeloma relapses frequently, Patients need alternatives. That's where J&J comes in. J&J presented clinical trial data for its drug dubbed telketamab. Up to 74.1% of patients had an overall response. And this result was seen among patients who had really challenging multiple myeloma, relapsing after previous treatments. Besides the results themselves, what makes the J&J drug interesting is that it addresses a new target, one that hasn't been successfully addressed before and that target is called GPRC5D. Telketamab also targets the protein complex called CD3 and an antigen known as BCMA. In fact, the data presented at ASH included some patients who had received BCMA-targeted therapies but still relapsed. Several other companies also reported new data. 
for BCMA-targeted candidates. The presentations included results from Bristol-Myers Squibb, Pfizer, and Regeneron, and even a small Chinese biotech called Graysel. Coming up next, we'll hear from Connor Hale and Andrea Park about the medtech industry's highest-paid CEOs. And later, what the FDA Independent Expert Advisory Panel said about cytokinetics heart failure med, and an update on the bidding war for Horizon Therapeutics. But first, an announcement. Coming up in January is our Fierce JPM Week. It's going to be an exciting gathering of some of the greatest minds in pharma and healthcare. During the conference, we'll take stock of current trends, talk about the issues to watch for in 2023, and we'll also talk about innovation strategies. Join us on January 10th in San Francisco, or catch us on January 17th through 19th for the virtual programming. Sign up at FierceJPMWeek.com or look for the link in our show notes. We totaled salaries, stock options, and bonuses awarded to the medtech industry's highest-paid CEOs. And our top 10 list saw a few ups and downs over the past year, with pay cuts during the lows of COVID and big payouts amid splashy public debuts. Here's Connor Hale and Andrea Park with more. Hey, Connor. So we compiled a list of the 10 highest paid CEOs in the medtech industry, and we went through the proxy statements published by companies and totaled up the salaries, bonuses, the vested stocks, and awarded options for all of their CEOs, and we found quite the mix. So our number one spot on the list grabbed some attention earlier this year when the company disclosed their pay package. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah. So weighing in at more than $380 million is Jason Kelly, the CEO of Ginkgo Bioworks. This company aims to manufacture a range of chemicals and pharmaceuticals by reprogramming bacteria to assemble them on the molecular level. But Kelly's payday might not pan out the way it looks out on paper. Outside of a salary of just $250,000, the rest of those hundreds of millions are all tied to the value of the company's stock. And as was, as one of the founders, he received more than 21 million shares when Ginkgo went public late last year. And that $380 million number comes from the stock's high point. Uh, you know, since then, the company's shares have dropped by about 80%. And the company disclosed that Kelly sold off more than 200,000 of those shares just last month, but that only brought in uh, $431,000. Still, he's got more than 20 million more shares to hold on to. Now, the number two executive on our list also hit the jackpot with his own stock holdings. Yeah, that was Joseph Hogan, who uh, is the CEO of Align Technology, and he racked up almost $130 million in total compensation last year, which is actually more than triple what he earned in 2020. Um, And that huge change was due to a couple of things. So more than 80% of his 2021 pay came from stocks and options that he vested throughout the year. And not only did he vest double the amount of shares in 2021 as he did in 2020, but the value of each of those shares also more than doubled. So if you break down the amount that he took home from vesting stocks and options in 2020, each share was valued around an average of $270 a piece. But one year later, that number rose to $590 per vested share. And that jump happened because Align, which is the maker of Invisalign, had its biggest year yet in 2021 revenue-wise. But, you know, of course, the downside to such a giant year is that it can be hard to maintain. And that seems to be the case for Align because its stock price has steadily dropped throughout this whole year, 
from about $650 in January to less than $200 by the beginning of this month. So I think it's safe to assume that Hogan's 2022 pay package will likely look pretty different from last year's. And another company bringing some interesting math was Gardent Health with its pair of co-CEOs, right? That's right. Yeah, Helmi Eltuki topped our list last year, the CEO of Gardent Health, but there's been some changes since then. Uh, the company named a co-CEO about halfway through last year with Amir Ali Talazaz, and both have taken salaries of $1 and largely equivalent pay packages. Um, they both received $113 million last year, lar- again, largely from stock after the company went public. Uh, but this year, Al Tuki isn't coasting on just like a $1 salary. He also picked up uh, $73 million in value when, in the sh- when previous shares vested this year. Tells as did the same. That was enough to rank them both fifth on our list. Yeah. And speaking of El Tuki's fall from number one on last year's list to number five this time around, I also wanted to highlight a couple of other CEOs on our list who went through pretty big changes. Mm-hmm. So on the upswing, there's Steve Chapman, who's number six on the list. He's the CEO of genetic test maker Natera, and he almost doubled his entire 2020 compensation last year. He earned around $67 million, and almost 99% of that came from stocks and options. Um, but then moving in the opposite direction, Joe Kiani, who's the CEO of Massimo, took home less than a quarter of what he earned in 2020, even though you know that still put him at number eight on our list for 2021. And Kiani's compensation, compensation came in at $52.7 million for 2021, which is way down from the more than $222 million he earned the year before. And again, pretty much as per usual, that change was pretty much all due to stocks and options. So back in 2020, he vested more than a million shares, which brought in almost $207 million for him. But then in 2021, he vested fewer than 150,000 shares, which shook out to just $36.5 million. Still not bad. Right. One other CEO that I wanted to highlight was Mike Minogue of Abiomed. Uh, at about $48 million, he only ranks ninth on our list, but his company makes miniaturized heart pumps for patients going through heart failure or recovering from a heart attack. He's been CEO of that company since 2004, and Abiomed's sales have grown by about 20% nearly every year since. He'll step down as chief when J&J takes over next year, but after it pays out $380 per share more than 50% premium over the company's previous stock price. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Thanks so much for chatting with me about this report, Connor, um, and about some of MedTech's biggest bigwigs of all. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. When it comes to Cytokinetics Heart Failure Med, the risks outweigh the benefits, or so says FDA advisors. This does not bode well for the drug's commercial prospects, but Cytokinetics is forging ahead. As Max Bayer reports, the FDA advisor vote came after Cytokinetics heart failure trial for the drug Omicantiv-Macarbal, which was the second largest heart failure trial ever conducted. The experts did not hone in on a single fatal flaw that cursed the company, but rather the lack of resounding benefit. FDA committee members raised concerns throughout the meeting about the trial design and dosing regimen. While Cytokinetics argued that data among the sickest patients showed significant benefit. In a statement following the vote, CEO Robert Bloom said Cytokinetics plans to constructively engage with regulators while it awaits a final decision. The bidding war is over. As Fraser Kansteiner reports, 
Amgen beat out four other companies and agreed to pay around $28 billion to acquire Horizon Therapeutics. But for Sanofi, Horizon Therapeutics is the one that got away. While Sanofi may have been outmaneuvered, it did play a key role in the talks to buy Horizon. Sanofi got the conversation going, in fact, when it floated an unexpected cash offer for Horizon. Horizon rejected that initial offer, and Sanofi came back to the bargaining table twice with revised bids. After Sanofi's third proposal, Horizon decided to approach other potential bidders, Amgen, Johnson & Johnson, and an unknown fourth company, all of whom expressed interest in buying Horizon. Ultimately, Horizon liked Amgen's offer most. The deal is expected to close in the first half of 2023. It's now unclear where Sanofi's merger and acquisition mindset is at, but its unsolicited offer for Horizon shows the company is weighing the deal-making landscape. Not so much Santa Claus this Christmas, but sanction and clause. The Prescription Medicines Code of Practice Authority, or PMCPA, hit six big pharma companies with drug marketing breaches, and the most significant reprimand goes to Novo Nordisk. The PMCPA polices the UK's official drug marketing code. It found Novo Nordisk in serious breach of seven of the code's clauses. An anonymous complaint said a Novo Nordisk LinkedIn post was promotional. The post publicized an obesity webinar, and Novo Nordisk markets the weight loss drug, Saxenda. Any form of prescription drug marketing in the UK is not allowed. In fact, Novo was sponsoring the webinar, and that wasn't made clear. What's more, Novo was also covering the costs for the written instructions given to those who help supply medicines to patients. The PMCPA agreed with the complainant, but Novo appealed. Then things got even worse. The PMCPA publicly reprimanded Novo Nordisk and decided to audit its actions. This is the highest punishment the PMCPA can make. That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at FiercePharma.com with your podcasts. Next week, we'll be enjoying the holidays, and you should too. So we won't be releasing an episode of The Top Line until January. So don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen, so you'll get reminded when our next episode comes out in January. And that's the bottom line from The Top Line.